Good morning, and welcome to season 1.999999 interim, we're almost there, season 2 episode. Yay! Lindsay's not here this morning, and we normally record on Saturdays, so if I say Saturday, forgive me, but you're listening on a Monday, or whenever you listen, and uh, yeah, here we are. This is just about the cusp of season two. We're going to start that next week with a great discussion on kind of movies and media and things that have influenced us, how we interact, what we see, what we feel, and why, well, why movies are great. That's next week. This week is a little bit different, though, because I don't do well with solo podcasts. I kind of ramble, or it feels like I ramble. I feel like I'm rambling now. Maybe you think I'm rambling. I think I'm rambling. Anyway, from my meta moment there, welcome to the 42 Podcast. We're going to jump into everything, and uh, I'm going to explain it all right now. Welcome to the 42 Podcast, where we discuss life together, looking for answers to life, the universe, and, well, everything else. Here are your hosts, Rob and Lindsay. Okay, so maybe that was a little bit mean, putting the uh, opening in the middle of all of that, but I'm trying to have some fun. With that said, one of the things that I have been open with about me is what I do. So the shorthand of my title is I am a youth director, which means that I work for a church to help organize and support and lead ministry to youth and their families. There's a whole lot of other stuff that goes into that. I find it to be an incredible and fun and amazing job. Uh, First, because teenagers and children are always up front with what they're thinking, what they're feeling. And their curiosity is right there. They don't feel like they have to hide it or that they can't ask questions. And that's part of the, the curiosity that Lindsay and I have tried to build into the 42 podcast starting a year ago with being in different positions, having similar backgrounds, but arriving to different conclusions early on, but the conversations where they've led and how... We want to make sure it's okay to ask questions, but also critique and interact and engage. So part of that critique, though, is something that I want to camp on for this episode of, I've been open with Lindsay, my sermons when I've preached at the church are fair game for her and I to talk about. Now, she and I haven't talked about it on the podcast. We've talked a little bit behind scenes about my sermons. And one of these days, we are going to do an episode where we actually, you know, have and listen to a sermon of mine and then critique, interact, and, well, dive into it. Because I do feel it's fair game. Like I said, I'm open about who I am. I'm open with the fact that I'm learning, I'm growing, and uh, even how I preach and teach, that has been changing over the years. I... I I don't know if Lindsay and I talked about this, but the last time I preached, uh, even sitting down with pastor at church, as she and I were going through how that sermon went, you know, there was an observation that 
the podcasting has affected how I preach and teach in a positive manner. And maybe you'll hear that, maybe if you've known me for a while and you knew who I was years ago, how I preached years ago, or even how I preached last month, you'll see there's a difference, which is a really unique thing for me, where I have some of the recordings of old sermons, I know the manuscripts and uh, formats I've used in the past, I finally figured out what my format is when I preach and teach, and that's taken a while, but there's another conversation behind that one as well, I guess. But my sermons are fair game. So today, kind of in that same spirit of my sermons are fair game, today's podcast is two of my sermons. The first one is April 25th of this year, and the second one is October 17th of this year. And I'll preface and give a setup for each of the sermons as we go into it. But feel free to listen, to interact, and engage with them to critique me. If you catch something that is like, woo, way, hey, wow, that that is drastically wrong, I'm learning. You know, I'm in ministry and studying scripture every day because it's it's new every day. The spirit moves in new ways, and you know, I don't say it's new every day to say that scripture isn't timeless. It's just we're what's changing with scripture. We look at it and we find that God is moving in our lives. Scripture stays the same, but we get a better understanding as our walk and journey with God go on. Now, this is a very, you know, again, up front through the door, this is a very full episode of what will be Christian talk and speak and uh, scripture and life in scripture. And some of you who have been listening to us for a while, you may not be in the same place as, as me or in the same place as where Lindsay has gone to. And I just want to say something just up front, again, through the door. That's okay. It's not about us agreeing or having the exact same belief or the same moral standard. It's about us finding a position to have a conversation. Because in having the conversation, that's where things change. That's where things grow. That's more valuable, in my opinion, than being right. Than being 100% certain and right. I think it is of more value to be able to have a conversation. To learn, to grow, and to, well, adapt and change. I'm not saying everything needs to change, but we're we're all alive here. We're all growing in life, whether or not we understand and realize that. So, with all of that said, let me just move into prefacing this first sermon. Uh, so this sermon happened on April 25th of this year at church. And the first voice you're going to hear is... Pastor Robin. She is the pastor of the church, and she's she's my boss. She's the one who sets the uh, precedent and standard for the church, who leads us and gives vision and you know guidance and all of that for the church. Uh, she's reading the first scripture. Now, our tradition within the denomination I'm a part of, which is PCUSA, 
and our church tradition is to have two scriptures. Some churches do three, some churches do one, some churches do expositional, da-da-da-da-da-da. Everybody has a little bit of a different style. But what we do is we have two scriptures that are read. One of them is normally something out of the Old Testament or out of one of the epistles or letters. And the second one, then, is normally a gospel. So we have a, an Old Testament reading and we'll have a, a gospel reading, or sorry, a first scripture reading, which is something else, and then the gospel reading. So she's reading the first scripture, which is going to be John chapter 10, verses 11 to 18. The second scripture reading, you're going to hear my voice, and that will be Acts chapter 4, verses 5 to 12. Now, one little further additional note, because I don't want to explain the sermon, but I, I want to give context to where things are at. Everything's going to sound a little bit muffled. That muffling is actually because at this point in the pandemic, it was still early in the vaccine rollouts. Uh, we as a church had decided that we were going to continue to wear masks until almost everyone is able to have the vaccine. The preaching and the scripture are coming from the front of the church, but we're still wearing masks in precaution, so it's a, a bit muffled, which is fine. We're doing our best to protect and love our neighbors in action as well as word. So without any more of me talking, here's me talking. As we gather around God's word, join with me in our prayer for illumination. Let us pray. God, you sent your Son, our Shepherd, to guide us into your grace. Lead us to your word, opening our spirit this day. Amen. Our first reading this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. Listen for God's word that is for us in this day. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd, does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because the hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, that they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay my life I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading this morning is taken from Acts chapter 4, verses 5 to 12. The next day, their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Ananias, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, 
and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. When they had made, then they had made the prisoners stand in their midst. They inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who was sick and are asked how this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, this Jesus, the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, it has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. This is the word of the Lord. I would like to ask a question, but I kind of want to frame it a little bit. So, Hang with me for just a moment. Have any of you ever given any kind of presentation for school or work? Maybe it was with family or with friends just hanging out and creating something that was fun for you all to do together. And as you get ready, uh, hang on, hang on. Rick's already ready to answer me, all right. But as you get ready, you... uh, I'll give you some of the things that they taught us in seminary. You, you organize your notes. You make sure you have them in order. You dress in a manner you're comfortable with. <laughs> All right, I'm a giant teenager. My tie's an homage to that. You, uh, you check your posture. Make sure you're standing good and straight because that helps with the confidence. Take a deep breath. Make sure you have good eye contact with your audience. And then right before, you can connect the first words of your presentation for this this presentation you've spent life and energy putting together before you can even begin to get into it. Like a freight train roaring through your head is one question. What if I got it wrong? Has anyone had that happen to you? Great. So I'm not alone. Perfect. Uh, To be fair, that's actually the opening to my sermon. I'm not vocalizing what I'm feeling entirely. But with that, we don't stand alone. As I was trying to figure out what that percentage of public speaking fear is, I came across an article from Forbes, and they estimate that about 80% of all people have some degree of public speaking that manifests in small ticks, a shake of a hand, a nervous stutter, or just a little bit of extra bouncing around up at the the podium or the pulpit. 10% of all people have a fear of public speaking that is debilitating. They can't do it, they won't do it, they're running out of the building screaming debilitating. And a remaining 10% actually feel energized by public speaking. I am not that 10%. I'm in that nice big 80% number. But it's something that we can at least look at and the majority of us connect with 
understand and walk into a little bit with what's happening in our Scripture this morning. In our Scripture from Acts this morning, we can set the scene a little bit and connect and have some empathy with Peter. Peter, just before our Scripture reading, he and John had been arrested for healing a man on the porch of Solomon. And in being arrested, they were arrested probably sometime in the afternoon and kept in jail overnight. So as Peter is brought in and is standing before the high priest and all of his council, he is most definitely wearing yesterday's clothes. He probably spent the night in a jail cell, so he's not smelling the freshest. On top of that, having been arrested and brought before the high priest, he's probably also wearing shackles of some kind and surrounded by a guard or two. This is not the best way you want to come forward and speak. But then he's also facing the high priests who would have been wearing their best clothes. They would have had a good night's sleep in their own beds. Probably smelled pretty nice. And they were probably sitting in an elevated position to emphasize their importance against the one being charged, who's Peter and John. So the setup for Peter is already not great. There's a nerve that he would have felt. And it's a wonderful thing that it's actually Peter who speaks because Peter gives us a, an even greater example. And I love him for this. But he is the, the word I have used, is he is our New Testament screw-up. We have four books of the gospel with love of teaching from Jesus and Peter just getting it wrong. A couple of my favorites of Peter's screw-ups, a few highlights, if you will. Of course, the one he always gets flack for is the walking on water. He gets credit for being the one who gets out of the boat to try, but as soon as he's there, he loses his focus. He pulls back. And to me, I have to imagine that as he's standing there walking on the water, that that question... What if I'm wrong? Roars through his head. And right as it goes, he sinks. Another favorite of mine is Peter standing at the moment of transfiguration with Jesus, James and John. And Elijah and Moses show up and God is there and Jesus is revealed in his full glory. And Peter, being our New Testament screw-up, opens his mouth and goes, hey, we could build shelters up here and people would want to see this and see that this is Jesus and entirely misses it to the point that God has to answer and speak to, to Peter. And of course, the one that we just walked through, that Peter at the Last Supper says, I will go with you even to the point of death and spends the rest of that night denying Christ every opportunity he's given to say, yes, I follow him. On top of that, that last one, Caiaphas and Aeneas, who are standing there with the high priest, Aeneas being the high priest, these are the men who were there when Jesus was brought in for trial before the high priest. 
So Peter is having these moments that can be cumulative to one more screw-up from him. One more moment where he gets it wrong, where he allows that question, what if I'm wrong, to train wreck everything he has done? Now, Peter's great, he's the one who speaks, but there is someone there standing with him. That's John. And I have to imagine that there was a comfort in having someone there with you. Someone who had experienced the same things. Someone who would encourage, uplift, and strengthen you. And John is an interesting person in our scripture as well because he's always a quiet observer. He's someone who, when you go through the gospel of John, he notices things. He notices little things that Jesus says or does that are hugely important. In our first reading this morning from John 10 John records one of seven I am statements from Christ. These I am statements are hugely inflammatory to the people of Judaism because they tie into something that Jesus is doing and saying. In Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd, he's tying his life and ministry here on earth back to Exodus 3. And this morning we get a bonus scripture. Exodus 3, verses 13 to 15. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent you. God has said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. And this is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations." John and Peter would have been there for these I am statements from Christ. They would have witnessed them. They would have seen how they sank in. They would have seen how it tied Jesus to before the laws were given to the Israelites to God's first revealing of his name in saying, I am, and today is I am the good shepherd. And there's comfort then that Peter could, could have seen, could have been reminded of in this moment and this journey with John, because in saying, in Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd, we can look as the flock of Christ, Peter as a sheep of Christ, one who has enough screw-ups under his belt to know that Jesus' love has no bounds. His bounds go to, I'm going to come and get you. His bounds are, I am with you, even at the hardest moments. His bounds are that he has called us by name as his sheep, as his flock. So Peter could have taken comfort in this. Peter could have walked into that moment, that room, and for the second time, 
We'll address the first one coming up at Pentecost. But for the second time, Peter walks into a moment where he could screw it all up. Instead of being Peter, the New Testament screw up, he's Peter, the lamb who is loved by Jesus, the lamb who is found by Jesus. Of course, this leaves us with the great question for ourselves this day and this week. While it's great to see that Peter is the one who is loved by Jesus and to see that the Spirit descends and gives the grace for the moment as Peter gives a speech that puts the high priest in a moment of stumbling. The question for us is, what about us? That question that I started with, what if I am wrong? What if we are wrong? That's a very powerful question that can undermine any of us in our lives. But there's a grace to the testimony that is our lives walking with Christ. Whether it's the grace of the shepherd coming and finding us as his lost sheep, or being there with the shepherd in the midst of the flock, growing and learning, whatever it may be, that testimony that we have, that we share, we can look at and find grace from the Good Shepherd to walk forward in His faith, to be called by name, by Him, as a part of His flock. So in this week, look to your lives, look to the moments, the, the bittersweet and the joyous, and look to see how Christ has been there in every way as the shepherd. Where we may find moments that we are wrong, but the great I am that is woven throughout history and scripture of God, of Christ, is there with us, and his spirit is with us, calling us, affirming us, and growing in us that we may go and show that to this world. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for how you are with us in every way. You have found us when we are lost. You have healed us when we are broken. And you guide us no matter where we may be. In this week, may we find ways to grow in you and continue to glorify you. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, all right, so it's me again. Not sermonizing me, but me, me. And uh, like I said earlier, that was a sermon I gave back in April of this year. Now, I actually like that sermon. I like some of the conclusions and places I went with the scripture and the text. And really, I like sitting with the idea of Peter, the gospel screw-up. And I say that because as a young man, I look back and I go, wow, when I got in the ministry, I wanted to be like Paul. I wanted to be, you know, a great evangelizer and missionary to the world and zealous for the, the word and ministry of Christ. And as I've grown up and grown out of that, I've realized, yeah, no, I'm more like Peter the Great Screw-Up. There's redemption, 
but there's there's growth and growing in that and uh you know it's it's part of the journey anyway moving aside from that the second sermon i want to share with you guys today is one that is much more recent i preached this just barely a month ago from when you guys are listening to this uh, actually almost a month ago so this is from october 17th of this year and the texts that i use for this one are genesis 1 verses 26 to 31 and matthew 21 12 to 17 and uh there's a little interesting aside i talk about that up front in the beginning of the sermon where this is actually the first time in all the years I've been in ministry and a part of ministry, that I actually speak towards stewardship and being stewards of the blessings and gifts that we are given as Christians, what we're to do with them, how we can use them. And it's a little subtle, I think, but you can be the judge of that. But as sermons go, this is... It's a really interesting and fascinating one, uh, and even in the lead-up to this sermon, the two texts that I listed a moment ago, the Genesis and the Matthew, they're entirely polar opposite kind of texts. Uh, I use the Genesis, which is the original blessing text, to Adam and Eve, and then I use the Matthew 21 text, which is Jesus throwing the tables over in the temple in the middle of Holy Week, right after the triumphant entry. And I, I speak to all of that a lot more. But in the lead-up to it, as I was talking with pastors, I was talking with my wife, Melinda, uh, and even as Lindsay and I talked about what this sermon would be, yes, that's a part of my life now. These are three of the most influential women in my life, and I appreciate and value their input, especially when I'm preaching. Uh but all three of them were a little concerned about the connections I was going to try and make between Genesis and uh, Matthew. But I had fun with it. I actually enjoyed kind of the train of thought and study it took me down. And uh, yeah, without me speaking to any more of that background, this is the message from October 17th. Oh, and I forgot to mention it. Uh sermons normally have titles so that april 25th title is what if we are wrong okay and the october 17th sermon which we're about to listening i titled restored inheritance so without anything else this is my sermon from october 17th called restored inheritance good morning as we ask the Holy Spirit to open our hearts and our minds to receive his word, would you join me in our prayer for illumination? For all generations, forever and ever, who by the power at work within us is able to do far more abundantly than what we can ask or imagine, to God be the glory and may God's work through Christ be revealed to us in this day. Amen. Now our Old Testament reading this morning is taken from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. And then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, 
and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, in the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, see, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Our gospel reading this morning comes from Matthew, chapter 21, verses 12 to 17. Then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he cured them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the amazing things that he did, and heard the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became angry and said to him, Do you hear what they are saying? Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babes, you have prepared praise for yourself. He left them and went out of the city to Bethany and spent the night there. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. couple disclaimers right up front. There are always firsts in ministry. In youth ministry, there was the first time I did a lock-in with students. As I've been growing in ministry, there was the first time I preached. And this is the first time I'm preaching on stewardship. So this is going to be interesting. On top of that, I'd love to say it wasn't self-inflicted, but uh, I definitely picked two of the most interesting scriptures to preach on for stewardship, because Matthew 21 is difficult. In fact, I've heard other ministers and pastors preach on this, and it always seems that there's kind of this uh, falling short. There's a common trap of speaking to the anger that we see in Jesus that is entirely out of character. It feels different and weird from who we have known Christ as. So Jesus' anger is something that we need to at least address up front that it is there, but it's not the focus of what we're going to do with the Scripture and what we're going to talk about today. So if I wander into it, forgive me, I will try to find my way back out of it. 
but it is worthy of its own sermon in and of itself. Before we begin diving further into Matthew 21, I think we need to get some greater context from Scripture of what is going on. And that greater context, I believe, and I believe it can be argued as such, comes from Genesis 1 in that first reading that we did this morning. And I would like you to imagine it in a very particular way, if you will. I believe that this first blessing that we see in Genesis, the one that God gives to Adam and Eve, that we see in verse 28, that is, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves upon the earth. I'd like to portray that in a certain way, if you will. I'm a little out of season with this holiday, but it's close, so forgive me for this. November is approaching, and with November comes one of my favorite holidays, Thanksgiving. Now, how many of you have sat around a table filled with family and noise, the smell of turkey, and your favorite sides? We've all been there. Personally, I love it because when my family gathers for Thanksgiving, it gets really loud. I'm one of four siblings, and there's, you know, ten years between me and the youngest, and it just gets really, really loud, especially when my sister and I start arguing and having fun and ribbing at each other. But it's a great moment of coming together of the work that my parents have done to build a family and community amongst me, my siblings, our spouses and the grandkids. It's this moment when the resources that we each have, my sister Caitlin makes amazing pies, my other sister Michaela does the turkey, and she's found an amazing way to do it, so it's incredible every year. Melinda and I have found that we can do these incredible apple pie cookies, and we gather and we bring these resources together, And we build this time and space as a family where we celebrate in noise, in joy, and food. And honestly, it doesn't matter what the food is. What matters is it's a time that we have come together as a family. Whether it's Thanksgiving or a family birthday or just the fact that we can be in one place together. The food is a great part of it, but it doesn't matter. I believe that that original blessing, though, from Genesis 1.28 that we read a moment ago is speaking to that, that this is the desire that God wants us to build from what He gave us in that original creation, that He gave Adam and Eve the charge to build family, to build community in this garden, in this new place, but we know what happens. We know that in Genesis 3... Adam and Eve fall. The whole of creation breaks. And a new plan is enacted. One that takes generations to build. One that is cumulative in Christ. And going into our our gospel reading this morning, there's a little bit of context that I think is important and helps us understand some of what's happening. And that context, again, I'm sorry, I'm out of season on this, that context is that this moment in Matthew happens right after the triumphal entry, 
right after everyone has gathered around Christ as he goes into Jerusalem singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then the next part of Scripture we find ourselves in is Jesus is going to the temple and he's chasing out the money changers. He's chasing out the system of worship that was established and had corruption built into it. And I'm only going to focus on this briefly, but there, it almost feels like there's a, a wink and a nod from the Pharisees to the money changers, to the system that in the midst of Passover, this holiest of holidays, they're taking advantage of as every tribe, race, and nation comes to the temple to sacrifice and worship. That instead of creating community, they're exploiting community. And that that is the root and the anger that we see in Christ. But what's more important is what happens next. Now, each of the gospels account, each of the gospel accounts, yeah, I can say that, give us that Jesus goes in and clears the temple, but only Matthew gives us what happens immediately after. And it's that immediately after that we start seeing in verse 14 where the money changers have been chased out and there's a moment of calm. It's calm enough that the blind and the lame who have been following Jesus move into the temple. It becomes filled with the broken. It becomes calm enough that you can't get children without families. So families and children go into the temple and personally, I'm a little biased here, if you can't guess that with my job, the families and the children, the children running around and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Son of David. To me, and how I read that scripture, that speaks to the fact the temple became filled with play, with children running and that's how I imagine that moment, is that there's running of children. There's families sitting and gathering together and talking through the journey that they may have had as they have come for Passover. There are people who are broken who have come for worship. And to me, again, that moment is a reflection looking back towards what that original creation and intent is. Christ has opened the temple in a way that it has not been opened. He has opened that place to worship, to gathering, to noise. And that draws me again back to what I look forward to with thanksgiving. A time of noise and celebration, a time of families together, a time where it doesn't matter what you can bring, but what matters is that you can be together. And so this place that had once been a market is now filled with worship. It's now filled and reclaimed as the inheritance that God intended in the original creation, allowing us to move forward, to, by example, reclaim that ourselves. Now this being Stewardship Sunday, which Robin brought it up great and perfectly with the fry tax, we call that the dad tax in my family, was also a little bit mean on this because right before I went to bed last night, I watched one of those shows that talks about fair food and the 
big feature was French fries, and I dreamed about, about French fries, and now I want French fries. And there are extra, but I need the big, greasy, smothered in cheese. Sorry, that's a brief aside. I'm hungry. I got to go find French fries after this. But that brings us to that, where the original blessing that was given to Adam and Eve to build community, to build family, to build a place of gathering where people can come together, doesn't matter what we can bring, it matters that we do bring. We bring ourselves to the moment of gathering. We bring ourselves to the temple and the place of worship so that we can come and go in worship, so that we can build a resource here where it's not just about the money. The money is a vehicle in which we use to help promote, gather, create ministry. It's a very important part, but it's not the only part. The important part is that you are here with us, in spirit if you're online with us, or in person if you're here. That we can continue to gather, that we can continue to build, that we can continue to go out from this place, inviting people in, inviting the ministry and grace that is community in Christ to come out and go in from this place. I heard someone once compare a church to being an airport where we come in and gather, refuel, recharge, and we go out into the world. But we can always come back. We can always bring more in. And I believe that's the inheritance that we are given. That is the ministry and challenge that we are given out of the original, out of the original text in Genesis. That that is what Christ has reclaimed for us in cleansing and clearing the temple but not only cleansing and clearing the temple, but at the end of that week, offering himself up so that the temple is set free into the world. So that the temple is allowed to be what God intended it in the original creation. Each of us going with Christ's name on our lips into the world. And with the resources that we have each been given, how we can come together in one name, in one voice, to build community, filling it with the sounds, the noise, the fellowship that is Christ's body together in worship. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for how you have given us the charge and the blessing of creation. You have reclaimed it for us that we may go out with Christ on our lips into this world that you have made, gathering and building a community that you have charged us to, that in all things you would be glorified. In this week, may we see ways to do that. May we find our hearts filled and overflowing that we may give in service to you. I praise you and thank you. In Christ's name, amen. All right, this is me again. And I got to say, if you're still hanging with me after two sermons, be impressed with yourself. Be extremely impressed with yourself. Second, I also want to thank you for hanging this far in.
Uh, like I said, these are two of my sermons that I've done over this year. There are a couple others, but I, these are the two I like the most. Now, this is not what every 42 podcast is. It's certainly not just me all the time. Uh, Lindsay will be back with us next week, and I look forward to to her being back, because there's a lot I want to talk with her about, a lot I want to share with you, but I also want her to be a part of that conversation. And of course, I'll, I guess I'll give you a little bit of a hint. We're going to talk, oh, I said this already, didn't I? Eh, we're talking media and some of our favorite movies and shows and things along those lines next week. It's going to be fun. It's going to be good to be able to get back into a bit more of a schedule, and as we're going into Season 2, we're setting what will be weekly topics in a month cycle, so we'll have, you know, uh, a current events conversation, we'll have media, we'll talk books, we'll do all of the things that we have done in the past year that have been a good part of the conversation that we're all having. So I do want to personally thank you, you who have been listening, engaging interacting because Lindsay and I started this conversation with the intention of drawing people together to having conversations together to bringing a multitude of voices into the circle and community that we're a part of but also build a greater circle and community that we can all be a part of I don't care what walk of life you come from what you believe or what you think I'm up front I'm open I'm always going to talk about Jesus. It's who I believe in. It's what I believe in. But I don't care about what you do. Because you are valuable. And I still want to hear from you. So I guess maybe I do care. Maybe that's the better way to phrase it. But I care that you're a part of the conversation. Again, thank you for hanging and listen th- listening. Yeah. You know, I stumble on words every now and then. Get to edit them out. But you heard in the sermon that I don't always get to edit them out, because I left the sermons raw. That brief aside, thank you. I care for you guys as our listeners. I care for what you think, what you believe, and I deeply appreciate you being a part of our conversation. Things are back to normal next week. Lindsay's with, with the conversation again. She's jumping in and joining us, and it will be good. So, Thank you for an amazing season one, and I look forward to what season two brings, the voices that are going to come on and join Lindsay and I, the voices that you're going to share and give and have on social media. I love it. I love podcasting. I love interacting, and I love what we're building and doing here. So thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the 42 Podcast. Please take a moment to like and subscribe. And if you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter to add your voice to the conversation. Thank you.